I started this movement called Make Instagram Instagram Again. I had nothing to post for the day and I was just like, man, Instagram's pissing me off. So I like posted this half-assed graphic and attached a petition to it and I posted it as a joke and then realized that it was no longer a joke. As it started to grow and grow and grow, I almost deleted this post because people were sharing it like crazy. And then it wound up getting traction to the point that like Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner, Kourtney Kardashian shared it. Tyler, the creator liked it. And I wound up like speaking to Forbes, Washington Post, BBC. I went on their radio station. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of it. doesn't matter how badly you got beaten down. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go with your gut. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. You just heard from Tati Bruning as she recalls how a one-off joke set an entire viral Instagram movement into motion. Known by her Instagram handle, Illumitati, or TikTok, Illumitatiana, you might have seen some of Tati's distinctive photography or celebrity shoots on your For You page. As she's gained a following of 323,000 on Instagram and 2.6 million followers on TikTok in only a few years. Through reinventing what could come up on your feed to reshaping the Instagram algorithm, her behind the scenes effort and in front of the camera efforts have fundamentally changed the landscape of social media as we know it today. However, Tati did not always foresee herself in this career or entertainment at all. Along with the rest of her six-foot family, it always seemed she was headed for the land of D1 athletics. I kind of want to go to the the like initial influences that you had. And maybe we could start with like America's next top model. So I grew up in the digital era. I think that the first time that I ever sat down on a computer was probably at the age of two or three. So I, yeah, I grew up on the internet. Like I was probably the first subscriber to Smosh just to like throw some internet history out Yo, there. First subscriber? Not, like, like very early Smosh. <laughs> yeah. Like I was on YouTube since its inception, like 2004. I was watching like... Um, annoying orange and Charlie bit my finger and all of that. Like I was, I've been an internet historian basically. So I had this obsession with the internet, but I also had this obsession with uh, reality TV. So I would watch a lot of America's Next Top Model, like when I was in kindergarten, which is probably That's horrifically unhealthy, yeah. <laughs> as well as Project Runway. So fashion and modeling was like a huge influence in my life. Why were you so interested in that? I think that. Growing up tall, there's two ways that you can kind of find your self-love as a tall girl. And either you find it in fashion and modeling or you find it in sports. And I grew up in a household where both of my parents were professional athletes. And I'm actually the shortest person in my family at 6'2". Really? Yes. Yeah, wow. So my sister's 6'4", my little brother's 6'11", mom's 6'3", dad's 6'6". Shit! Yeah. <laughs> So I grew up the shortest and it's kind of like where I found my identity more so than sports, which was kind of like a faux pas in my family. They were like, there's no way that you're taking that seriously instead of sports because I was a really talented athlete. Actually, I was like a D1 uh, recruit for both basketball and volleyball. So for me to like kind of denounce that and go towards the artistic route was like almost out of spite. And what you'll see through like the themes of my life is a lot of it is out of spite. Because I like know that I can do it and I need to prove to others that I can. Yeah. So you had this, all this influence from your family. Um, 
obviously going into sports and you did do sports. So like, like let's maybe track back to these like warring identities almost. So it's like you yeah. have the sports Tati and the modeling Tati and the fashion Tati. So like how do those develop? One of my favorite Christmas presents that I ever got when like I was in the second grade or something like that was a Project Runway booklet full of flats, which are like fashion sketches that you can draw on top of. And so I'd be drawing these flats throughout my entire like childhood. And actually, like I still reference them today to create some of my works. So I just grew up like drawing a lot. And my dad was actually really interested in becoming an artist as well, but he never pursued it. And so there was always like some form of artistic influence in my family that was never like tapped into. And I think it's really interesting that I was the first person to like really hone in on that and like actually make a career out of it, which I think is really cool. So as you were doing these flats, were your parents encouraging it? Were they pushing you towards like more sports as you were doing that? It wasn't like they were pushing me away from it so much as it was like my entire day was then filled with them coaching me in sports that I didn't really have the freedom or like the time or energy to be able to like create anything outside of that. So do you remember like, uh, I guess like a push, did you ever push back? After I got into these fashion sketches and like 2D art, cause I was really into drawing and stuff as a kid, I kind of like realized that I wouldn't be able to make a career out of drawing flats and like just being cool and artistic, which is really ironic because that's what I do now. But <laughs> I realized that that probably wasn't going to be a viable career pathway. So I got really into tech, into coding and um, science. And so when I was in middle school, I was working like as a middle school IT person, basically, that would go into like teachers classes and fix their computers. Wait, and shit. What? Yeah, <laughs> they would call you. They, yeah, they would problem. call me. They would call me if I, they had a problem with their IT. So I was like a student IT department that would like fix projectors and stuff because I was the only person on campus that knew how to do it, apparently. Yo. <laughs> and so I, in turn, wound up becoming a photographer for our student leadership group because I was the only person that could work a photo and editing software. And so from seventh grade to 12th grade, I was like making short form videos. I was taking photos. I was working with a camera for like the entirety of my adolescence. What was it like honing that skill? I think that a lot of it was competitively driven at that time because I wanted to be the best. So not only are you doing these these photos, but you're also doing video. Like what, what are the videos of? Uh, the videos are like of our like sports teams or like something to hype them up. How do you get into concert photography from that? So I was really into electronic music in middle school and high school. I didn't have a lot of friends, so I'd spend some time inside just listening to music. And so the only way that I could go to those concerts without getting carded for an ID when I was 15, because you would have to be 21 to get into these shows, was by presenting a press pass. And I learned that really quickly. So I would get myself onto press lists by sending them my portfolio from high school ASB from our school dances saying that it was a rave and you then made high school school <laughs> yeah no no when i say that i fa- i find a loophole in everything you finesse i finesse yeah. professional finesser yeah. the, re- this, the reason i'm sitting here right now is because of my ability to, to finesse. finesse yeah i believe yeah. it and so i would send them my portfolio from like high school dances saying that it was a rave and i would actually get press passes because they thought that the photos were quality enough for social media and so I would sneak out of my house at night and I would go over to a local concert venue. So wait, your parents had no idea you were sneaking out. No, no shot. None. Zero. Do you remember the first time that you snuck into one of these things? 
Yes, and this is so bad. So <laughs> this is a great story in itself. Um, so I wound up leaving to go shoot this like UK duo that's like that was like DJing a set at the observatory in Orange County. But the first time that I shot like a real show, my mom showed up at it. How? So she found out that I was going. She went to the website because she was like, where is she? And I think that she tracked my location. What did you think seeing her? I was really pissed off. Like really upset because it was like she kind of invaded my safe space because it was like she was involved in my sports. She was involved in my academics because she was a substitute teacher at my school. She was also like coaching part of my teams. You know, she was like part of helicoptering every single part of my life. And this was the one place that I could find creative freedom and find like space away from my family. And she kind of invaded it. So I felt like she crossed a boundary and I never have actually gotten a chance to talk to her about it. Um. But you were, were you also doing like modeling photography too? So around this time in high school, when I was a concert photographer, I was slowly also trying to become a model and it didn't work out because I just wasn't the right measurements. I was too tall, like probably like an inch too tall and had like an inch too much on my waist. So too tall, too fat basically was like the prompt. And so like, I kind of didn't let that stop me for a little bit, but eventually it just kind of like wore off I was like this isn't fun anymore like why am I doing this to myself because I was like starving myself at this time and you know I was trying to fit in this mold and I realized that it 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 was just not going to work but it's also I think it would be hard to give up that dream because that's like if you're a tall girl there's like two identities that you can take yeah and so it was kind of like if you can't find your space I kind of realized that I would just have to create my own space I was like okay if I'm not going to fit into your world that's fine And if I don't want to fit into that world, that's fine too. I'll make my own space. I'll make my own little slice of the internet that I can play on and have a good time and hopefully make other feels good too. Right before that, I want to talk about the, because the the concert photography was like blowing up. Could you tell me about like some of the people that you were, you were like taking photos of? Yeah. So um, I started to gain like a smaller social media following towards the end of high school and early college for my um, concert photography because my portfolio like some of the work started to get good enough for them to go like minorly viral and also because people were really intrigued about the lifestyle of being a concert photographer at such a young age yeah that is yeah. A crazy because it's like because yeah. it's like yeah here's me in san diego with nightmare and slander uh, i would sat test tomorrow uh, <laughs> you know what i mean where it's like what the hell yeah i was doing the, these concert photos and gain a smaller social media following from it. And so I was like taking photos of like Zara Larson, Blueface, T-Pain. Like I kind of transitioned from EDM. <laughs> yeah, just like imagine like 17-year-old Tati in the pit of the observatory shoving my camera into T-Pain's face. When and why do you start to pivot towards social media? So I started pivoting towards social media a little bit because I was like, these kids at the Hype House and the Sway House, I was like, this Addison Ray girl, she has 100,000 followers on Instagram, but clearly she's doing something right if she's growing so quick. 100,000 followers, Addison Ray. Like, that's like when I started associating myself with these people is I was like, clearly they're all doing something right. I would need to get in with them quickly and learn. And so when I first got into college, what I would do is I was like doing my concert photos still posting those to TikTok. And then I started like meeting up with these, like at the Sway House or the Hype House, like on the weekends when I wasn't in class learning biochemistry. It's still like in class, like going to the cafeteria, working out at the gym, living in a dorm, like driving up to the Hype House, photographing them. 
and like posting started posting them to TikTok and then people were like oh you know what these are kind of good like for the standard of TikTok back then these were like the best photos that TikTok has ever seen when you are moving to a different platform it's like okay how do i make what i'm doing well on instagram work for a platform that's mostly video yeah so how did you think about translating your photos to a video platform I thought that I would like share what it actually looks like to take a photo, like kind of break the fourth wall on it. I'm like, here's me holding my camera, taking the photo. And it's like a before, the, be- it's like a before and after, basically. It's like, what is she going to make with her camera in this setting? Basically, it was like how I was looking at it. Also, just like the, for some odd reason, just the sensation of having these people in a TikTok at that time, like they had quote unquote the hype. And so it would just like drive traffic automatically if you like saw the right people in the right video which was like really, really interesting with my personal relationships too, because it's like, then you're kind of trying to decipher like who's a work person that you like work with and like take videos with. And then like, who's actually your friend. So that was like a very interesting time in my youth trying to like figure out and decipher like who wants to take photos and who's like an actual friend. What kind of traction are you seeing on TikTok as you are posting these, these videos? I would, I think that like I gained like a few thousand followers a day on TikTok, which at the time was like really small. I think that like my peak for the year of 2020 was probably 100,000 followers. But dude, 100,000 followers, that's a good chunk. That's a good chunk. At the time, it really like compared to the people that I was working with, really no. So that's kind of like where I was like at their wits, like like kind of at their beck and call where they could summon me and like tell me whatever and I would have to listen because it was like I was the little guy. I feel like I kind of was like the little guy in the room because I didn't have followers. And like at that time when you're like working with 17, 18, 19 year olds, it's kind of like the the pe- like the pecking order is whoever has the most followers in that household. And for me as somebody that was just kind of like, hey guys, I'm Tati, I have my camera. It's like, okay, yeah. And <laughs> okay, you take photos and. But like, how do you create an identity for yourself beyond just what you can do for these other people? It takes a lot of poise. It takes a lot of poise and a lot of self-assurance. And that's one thing that I never lacked because I grew up on that notion that I couldn't be what I, who I wanted to be. So I was like always self-assured, like being self-assuring and always telling myself you're doing the right thing. What is the right thing in that? Those, those places, those spaces? I don't know. That's as corny as it sounds. It's like you're me holding on to this image of myself that lives in my head and knowing that that is going to arise in the future is like really helped me to kind of recenter that makes sense so like even if I was like the little guy in the room or like the small fish or whatever however you want to put it it's like I know that there's something for me in the future and I know that it's not going to be right now but like I don't mind putting in the work as a little person now if it means that I can become something bigger later yeah so you have this unique perspective in this very dynamic and I mean now like kind of like infamous house I want to go to actually playlist live because you have like a hundred thousand followers on TikTok. You are the small fish, but you are surrounded by very large fish. You go to this event. Why and what happens? So when I was in college, when I was, you know, like taking photos of people here and there at the houses and stuff and doing the concert photography, when I was at the cafeteria one day, um, this party bus pulled up and it was a charity group. And they were raising money for um, teen mental health awareness. And they were asking anyone with a social media following on campus to come join their party bus and like ride around 
So I really liked what they were doing and I thought that they could do more with it because they were trying to learn how to like work with TikTok and like understand that space. And so I wrote them up a pitch deck on like what they could do to improve their charity group for Playlist Live, which was something that they wanted to go present at. And so they were like, we really like you. Would we? Would you like to work for us and do like media stuff and creative advisory? And I was like, absolutely. And they were like, okay, we're going to pay you a thousand bucks and fly you out to Playlist Live. And for me as a college student, I was like, let's go like I get to I get paid to travel that's like sick and so I came to playlist live under the guys that I was working for this charity group right and so I like did their media stuff but at the same time like I was kind of finessing my way into the creator lounges and stuff because I knew a couple bigger creators so I kind of like networked inside of those spaces to try and like get my name out there and like take photos of people and show like proof of work I'd be like oh my god can I take your photo right now like you look so good and I like take their photo and be like, wow, that's the best photo I've ever seen of myself. And so I like wound up meeting all these cool people and then took those connections back to LA with me. And I would get their contact information and then I would ask them if they would want to do like a real photo shoot. And so I started these like vlogs of like me going to the studio, and, like what I would do on my days off. And then I started like this weird voiceover vlog era of TikTok. Tell me about like the stylistic change and what actually came from it. So what actually started happening was I was showing myself in my videos. Like I started showing myself a little bit more in my videos and added a personality to it. So it wasn't just like behind the scenes and photos like, hi, I'm Tati and this is my day. Now, I wasn't showing my face, but I was using my voice because I was still like too shy to get back in front of the camera after all that trauma from modeling. <laughs> what was the response from people on TikTok? I gained a million followers. Over the course of like six months or something like that, I gained a million followers for my um, like voiceover vlog content. And so I started moving out of that space and gaining more self-confidence and, you know, like just started working with bigger and bigger talents. Just more opportunities started coming uh, in terms of like financial opportunities. Like I would be able to like work with more brands on TikTok, make more branded content because there was actually like an ability for you to place your product into my tiktok where it would make sense because it was like a lifestyle page now yeah and so now it's like more people identify with like a human yeah who is giving a recommendation which that even became more prominent in late 2021 when i started actually showing my face yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, then people were like oh my gosh like wait you looked like this the entire time and i was like yeah i'm like this 6'2 redheaded girl you know just chilling they're like oh my gosh that's incredible It was really scary because I got male attention at first. So like I was like really that was something that I had never seen before in my lifetime where like I had this like really rabid male audience out of nowhere because of the way that I looked. And I had I couldn't process why because that was something so new to me. And so um, it was really scary at first. And then I just kind of like got over it. I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of numb to my appearance now because it's like. I see so much of myself on the internet and like I have to like take a photo of myself every single day that I'm just kind of like so body neutral at this point which I think is kind of sick it's like at this point I don't even care what I look like when I walk down the street because it's like this reality of the situation guys but um yeah no it was like really scary at first and then just kind of chilled out and were you posting all of this to TikTok too correct I started like these like vlogs of like me going to the studio and, like what I would do on my days off and then like I started like this weird voiceover vlog era of TikTok. Tell me about like the stylistic change and what actually came from it. 
So what actually started happening was I was showing myself in my videos. Yeah. Like I started showing myself a little bit more in my videos and added a personality to it. So it wasn't just like behind the scenes and photos like, hi, I'm Tati and this is my day. Now, I wasn't showing my face, but I was using my voice because I was still like too shy to get back in front of the camera after all that trauma from modeling. <laughs> yeah, no, I can imagine. And so what was the response from from like people on TikTok? Uh, I gained a million followers. <laughs> a million? Yeah. And how long? Uh, over the course of like six months or something like that, I gained a million followers for my um, like voiceover vlog content. And it was just people like like messing with like what, like you and your personality? Yeah, they just like were like, your life is so cool. Like you just like run around LA, take photos of people and like drink boba. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's like kind of what it is. And so what kind of opportunities were coming? Because now you're, you're, it seems like you're moving out of the shadow of like being like the, like, I mean, like the small fish and like, like basically like catering to these people. Now it's collaborating. Now it's collaborating. Because before it felt like I was kind of like at everybody's will. Now it's like collaboration and it's like a group project because now I have like proof of concept. And so I started moving out of that space and gaining more self-confidence and... Um, you know, like just started working with bigger and bigger talents. Yeah. So what kind of opportunities came out of this like massive growth? And also, what are you thinking of and feeling about like getting a million followers so quickly? Just more opportunities started coming uh, in terms of like financial opportunities or like brand deals. I would be able to like work with more brands on TikTok, make more branded content because there was like actually like an ability for you to place your product into my TikTok where it would make sense because it was like a lifestyle page now. But that's how you, who you had around you, which is amazing. Yeah, it's a, like an amazing privilege to have. Which that even became more prominent in late 2021 when I started actually showing my face. Yeah. <laughs> As the, then people were like, oh my gosh, like, wait, you looked like this the entire time? And I was like, yeah, I'm like this 6'2 redheaded girl, you know, and just chilling. They're like, oh my gosh, that's incredible. I was thinking next we could talk about uh, Instagram and the changes that they've been making in your response to that. Well, 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 <laughs> if we haven't had here the climax of this conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. Where do I start? Where do you want to start? I, um, for anyone that doesn't know, I started this movement called Make Instagram Instagram Again. And it was this little graphic that I conjured up in the middle of the night while I was in my hotel room in Belgium this past summer. And so I was bored i had nothing to post for the day and i was just like man instagram's pissing me off so i like posted this half-assed graphic and attached a petition to it that i wrote like in the course of five minutes and had my sister proofread and just threw it up and i posted it as a joke and then realized that it was no longer a joke and that what i was actually fighting for was like this deeper thing and as it started to grow and grow and grow i almost deleted this post because people were sharing it like crazy because they had also felt that Instagram had turned into something that it wasn't anymore in the terms that like it was having way more video content. There's so much more ads like you couldn't see cute photos of your friends. And so that was something where I was like, make Instagram what it was again, like bring back community to social media. And so that's kind of what this whole movement was about. And then it wound up getting traction to the point that like Kim Kardashian, Kylie Jenner, Kourtney Kardashian shared it. Tyler, the creator wow. liked it. I was like, damn, Tyler. <laughs> welcome <laughs> welcome to my page and so um yeah it kind of like went crazy crazy viral and i wound up like speaking to forbes washington post bbc i went on their radio station um pretty much every single major like news outlet you could think of i did an interview with 
So like I would be like sitting eating tacos, like having an Aperol spritz, talking to the New York Times, like over Zoom. <laughs> I love that for you. I love. Yeah, like, I was like, hey guys, I'm on vacation. I didn't realize that I was gonna have to do this today, so don't mind me. <laughs> so yeah, that was a that was a crazy week of my life where that movement gained so much traction to the point that I wound up getting into like this sort of media war with the CEO of Instagram, and so we were having this like weird pseudo back and forth about like the changes on Instagram from his account and my account. So I would post something, he would post something, then I would post a follow-up, he would post something. So it was like this weird back and forth between us when like at the end of the day, I love Instagram and I just wanted to see it like be a better app. And so with the user feedback that I generated, they wound up rolling back some of their updates and actually changing parts of the app. So my little movement that I fostered and like fought for user rights, like actually resulted in them listening to us and creating real change, which was really, really cool to see. Yeah. And especially with an app that has like massive influence, like you're changing yeah. like, like a billion lives. Which is like insane. That's insane. Because all I really That's wanted real at, and, and like if you think about like what I really wanted in the first place was like I just wanted more community. Like I just want more belonging. I just want to be more me. You know what I mean? I want everyone to be more of them. So it was like Instagram just wasn't wasn't fostering a place anymore where we could like be ourselves and see our friends doing their most authentic things in their daily lives because it was getting drowned out by BS, basically. What advice would you give to a creator that's like just getting started? I think have no goal with it at first. I think just post to have just post to have fun. Like you can have fun and like have good lighting too. Aside from like the basics of obviously video making, just have fun. It's not that deep. And if you have the goal of becoming famous from it, then my suggestion is to change your goal very, very quickly because that's going to make you miserable. Don't chase that because you'll never find you'll never find happiness in that. Like just be happy making things. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe rate the podcast five stars and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Burkle, Matt Fernandez, Nay B. Cannon, Sophia Donner, David Saide, Ashley Jimenez, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Cherise Tan, Harushi Kanauchi, Kristen Hagelin, Aya Cortez, and Valencia Lu. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen, with support from Aiden Ashworth, Nikki Mukawa, Sylvie Wong, and Eric Menno. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand, with support from Tiffany Dang. Y'all will. And Dina Gabriel. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.